We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sean Styers, Darren Pritchett with you. I think maybe I've seen it all now because on Twitter I got accused of giving Tony La Russa too much credit because I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. Now, wouldn't Cub fans be laughing if La Russa screwed up? How many Cub fans exactly. would give La Russa credit? So, a, I'm confused on what team I root for now in baseball. And number two, why would a Cub fan give a White Sox manager credit? I don't know. I'm just me. wondering. You got me. I'm confused. That's why I Twitter. I mean, we know, you gave, we know why you gave him credit, Darren, but we don't have to go into all that right now. So. Because he's the greatest <laughs> manager in the history of civilization. He's the best manager even go. on Mars and Jupiter. <laughs> Pluto doesn't exist anymore, does it? It's no longer a planet, so I, I can't include it. Anyway, Brian Driscoll joins us. He is the publisher of IrishBreakdown.com, and he joins us today to talk some Notre Dame football recruiting and managing, I guess, if he wants to along the way. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm good. Tony LaRussa only won three World Series, so I don't know why you're always talking about how great of a manager he is. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then the Baseball Hall of Fame, I mean, it's a fluke. It's an absolute <laughs> fluke to get that done. Just like Sparky Anderson, he just happened to go to the Reds and the Tigers at the right time, or he never would have won a World Whoa. Series. Careful, you're talking about Sparky there, okay? So let's that's be sarcasm. careful about what. Uh... I, that's sarcasm. <laughs> I, know. I love Sparky. I know. Sparky, Sparky was great. Was, 
Sparky was cool to learn about the game of baseball from. I think he was a part of the baseball bunch every once in a while with Johnny Bench, right? I am not sure. I think it was a little bit before my time. I think I'm not was. that old. I think he was. Okay, thank you. I'm one old guy remembers. Good. Well, I am. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's 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 put a ball on the tee for you and you can hit a home run here. Uh, since we last talked recruiting with you last week, Notre Dame picked up a verbal commitment. Uh, many people leave. This is a four-star tight tight end. His name is Holden Stays. S T A E S. You pop in the tape, and what do you see? You see a kid that's very talented, very high ceiling player. You know, this is a unique year, and, and some of the top tight ends in the country this year are, are, are not Michael Mayer types, meaning they're not guys who are going to step foot on campus, look like a grown man, and be ready to, to be one of the best tight ends in the country the day they arrive. The tight ends their name has been after in this class, and Holden Stace and Eli Rarity and those two players are. Are those kind of guys you look at like past tight ends? You know, maybe they redshirt as a freshman and then develop. And, and with Holden Stace, you know, he's got the body uh, that you really like. He's 6'4, 230, very long arms. He's still developing strength, still developing technique, still learning how to kind of run routes and those type of things. But you see a lot of potential. You see a kid that when he gets in the Matt Baylor strength program, is just his strength's going to take off, his explosiveness is going to take off. I love his ball skills. There's a lot of catches from him in high school. And, and they don't throw a ton in, 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 for his high school team at Westminster in Atlanta, but you know, he's catching the ball kind of back shoulder with two guys hitting him. You know, he's catching the ball in traffic. There's a, a, a route on his, or a play on his highlight clip where he's trying to catch a corner route over the top, which is the hardest place to catch a corner route. Hmm. He's got two guys draped on him and he catches it. That kind of downfield ball skills, that kind of downfield focus in traffic is, is what you expect to see from a receiver, not necessarily a tight end. So, Sky is the limit for this young man, and it gives Notre Dame a really nice one-two punch because him and Eli Raritan can do everything. You know, they're they're all around players, but Stace is more of an inside-out tight end, where Raritan is more of an outside-in tight end, which to me makes them very, very good complementary prospects in this class. So, what what is the impact that that Stace has then on the 2022 class overall? You know, he's a consensus four-star recruit, and he's... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ranked as a, about a top 260 player. I think he's better than that. He graded out as a top 200 player for me. Even though I view him as a raw player, he still was a top 200 player for me. Very high ceiling, and it gives Notre Dame, in my opinion, the best one-two punch in the country at tight end. He's going to have more of a 
of a rankings impact than Eli Raritan, who's a three star, even though I, I graded Eli out as, you know, to me having a little bit of a higher ceiling. But, you know, Holden is a little bit more physically developed. You know, he's 230 plus, he's got a little bit better body. Uh, but, you know, when you can when you can land a consensus four-star recruit, it's certainly going to boost your rankings. And then to get another kid from the Atlanta area is only going to help Notre Dame continue that pipeline. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of IrishBreakdown.com, talking Notre Dame football recruiting here on WSBT Radio. So... I guess kind of at the end of the day, Brian, they have their two tight end commits for this class. They had another one at one time, and that young man decided to decommit. So with all the transactions that have taken place at the tight end position in this recruiting cycle, how well did Notre Dame end up doing? I mean, I I honestly could not think of a scenario with this specific class that could have gone any better for Notre Dame. It was a little bit of a weird winding road to get there, you know, with Jack Nickel being in the class, and then he's out of the class. But a big reason why Jack Nickel got out of the class is because Notre Dame told him, we're going to keep recruiting Eli Raritan and Holden Stakes. Uh, because they were they were guys that kind of came on late. They were late bloomers, so to speak. I, I don't think Holden was used a whole lot as a sophomore, and, and Eli really physically took off, but... You know, they ended up with what they needed. They got two, in my opinion, very high ceiling players that don't need to play right away. And there's not necessarily going to necessarily be a ton of opportunity to play right away when you look at the current depth chart. But guys that have the ceiling and the upside to push the guys on the on the already on campus. And when you're when you're talking about recruiting to a position of strength, which is what tight end is, if the kids you're recruiting aren't good enough that in a, a couple years they can't push the guys ahead of them then you shouldn't be offering them a scholarship. These two guys are that kind of talent, so they're certainly needle-mover type of recruits for me. Brian, we talked a lot of offensive linemen we had you on a couple of days ago, not not the recruiting aspect, obviously, but they've got a couple of uh, impact freshmen on the offensive line this year with with Fisher and Spindler. So what kind of needs do they have in this current class along the offensive line? You know, when you look at the last two classes, you have Tosh Baker, Michael Carmody in, in, in the 2020 class. You, you came up short on numbers, and then you look, looked at the 2021 class, and you got Spindler and Fisher, who are uh, elite prospects. But after that, you know, there's some, okay, how, how good is Caleb Johnson going to be? Joe Alt's a bit of a project. Pat Coogan is a little bit limited. So you get in a situation, and, and even though you have the high-level talent, I think this 2022 class needs to be an offensive line class that's built on focusing just on high ceiling players. You know, no no depth guys, no, you know, maybe he could be a solid player by year 4 kind of guys. You need to have high level talent and you need to me at least four. I think Notre Dame needs to focus on getting a guy that potentially could be your center of the future. And there's a couple candidates for that, but you also need to improve the the tackle depth chart and and Notre Dame's off to a great start with Joey Tanona who's an in-state player who could potentially be a center. He was a left tackle as a sophomore. Moved to center as a junior and looked even better. 
So he's a, a very intriguing, versatile player. Ty Chan is a is a long, athletic guy that has a very high ceiling. Now it's about, in my opinion, they need to they need to add better depth to this class. You know, one thing that Harry Heastan was great at was the third and fourth, sometimes even the fifth offensive lineman in the class uh, was a guy that you're like, yeah, that guy can play. And they came up short in numbers in 2020. I don't think we saw that kind of depth of impact talent beyond the top two last year. This year needs to be that kind of class. And so far, Coach Quinn has put them in position that if he can finish strong and he's in position to do so, this could end up being the kind of elite offensive line haul that Notre Dame needs to really restock the depth chart after a couple years that were, you know, had some really good stuff, but also, you know, numbers wise, what wasn't ideally where you wanted to be. Brian, there was a time a few years ago that the combination in the offensive coach's room was Harry Heastan and Chip Long. They had their famous walks together. We heard about those. Now it is Jeff Quinn and Tommy Reese, offensive line coach, offensive coordinator. Are you seeing any difference in the type of offensive lineman that Reese and Quinn are looking for compared to the Heastan-Long combination? You know, it's it's hard for me to say what Tommy Reese is looking for because this is really his first cycle, really first okay. full cycle, and he hasn't had a chance to get guys on campus. But I do have a feel for what for what Jeff Quinn looks at because of we've seen him now a couple more years into this, and then also when you look at what they did at Cincinnati, you know, Harry Heastan was a guy that said you know basically recruited tackles. There were very few exceptions to that. And some of the guys they got, you know, like Parker Boudreaux, was not necessarily Harry's first choice. He liked getting tackles that could eventually move inside and move around. And if you look at Notre Dame's starting offensive line this past year, uh, and even in in, in previous seasons, you'd have five guys that came to Notre Dame as tackle starting. Even Sam Mustafer, who was obviously built like a college interior player, was was an offensive tackle in high school. And he liked long, athletic guys. What we're seeing from Coach Quinn is more bigger body guys, guys that sort of are those smaller type of players. You know, you see like Rocco Spindler, Blake Fisher, you know, guys that you look at and say, you know, he's a high school wrestler type, and and, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing that being the type. And that's one of my concerns to a degree is I I never had questions about who was going to play tackle under Harry Heastan. It was more about, okay, which tackle is going to move inside. When I look at the depth chart now, I say, okay, after Fisher and Tosh Baker – who are the guys that you look at and say, yeah, he's definitely a tackle? I mean, I don't know if Michael Carmody's definitely a tackle. And I think that is, is sort of one of my concerning things. But that's also why in this class, Ty Chan was such an important recruit. It's why getting a guy like Jake Taylor from uh, Nevada is is trying to get him away from Oklahoma or Alabama. His final three is Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Alabama. You know, He's more of a pure tackle. They're going to need some of those type of players to go along with Tonona. Uh, and, and then there's two other interior players from Wisconsin that I, I think Notre Dame's in really good shape with and Billy Shrouth and Carson Hensman. So it's got a chance to be a really special O-line class. They need to make sure at least one of the guys they sign from here on out is someone who can certainly play tackle. Any any of those guys that maybe they're in the best shape with right now? Yeah, Billy Shrouth is a, is a guy that Notre Dame is in, is in excellent shape with. And, and to be able to go into Wisconsin, there's actually three top 100 to 150 uh, recruits from offensive line recruits from the state of Wisconsin. It's Billy Shrouth, Carson Hensman, and Joe Bruner. Notre Dame is in the top three, in my opinion, for all three of them. I think of those three, Billy Shrouth is the guy they have the best opportunity with. Jeff Jeff Quinn has done a phenomenal job building a relationship with Billy. 
Uh, they've talked con- constantly. He's made, he's laid out a very clear vision for how Billy would fit into the Notre Dame offense. He's going to visit in June, June 18th to 20th. I'll be surprised if he's not a public commit shortly at, during or shortly after that visit, the way things are trending. And he's a big, tough 6'5", 300-pound kid, really physical, great burst. You know, he's that kind of athletic interior player that you look at and say that's what a modern guard should look like. He's a vi- he's one of my favorite blockers in this class. Even though he's not an ideal, he's not really a tackle. He's an outstanding interior line prospect. Brian Driscoll talking Notre Dame football recruiting on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio ninety six one WSBT. We are closing in on June, Brian. You're talking about visits coming up. First time in a long time we can talk about official visits. Do you have an idea at all how different visits are going to be early on? Do you have a sense of what Notre Dame may try to accomplish now having the chance to get kids back on campus for the first time in, gosh, what, 15, 16 months? You know, I, I I really don't know what Notre Dame is going to do right now. I have a feeling, and I'm and I'm in the process of trying to figure this out now because you know, Notre Dame has really gone above and beyond in recent months, especially since Mike Elson took over as recruiting coordinator, to make the program more. Uh, I'm trying to stand out more, right? And, and one of the things Notre Dame has always done a great job of during recruiting visits is they've always done a great job of of uh, educating parents and, and recruits on what makes Notre Dame unique. And I think that is that is something that needs to continue. But they, they've never quite had the, the pomp and circumstance that can be so effective. And what I've always felt is imagine if Notre Dame sort of combined those two things together. And, yes, you want to have, you know, you want it to be about this is what Notre Dame stands for and the academics and all that, but still make it to where it's sort of a rolling out the red carpet type of event. And I think that when you look at what they're doing, the billboards, the, the the social media promotion, things that were never really part of Notre Dame's DNA, that we're gonna we're gonna be ahead of the curve and, and sort of we're gonna be the ones setting trends. I'm curious to see how that's then gonna translate to the official visits because this is gonna be such a vitally. I mean, this June period is gonna is gonna determine whether Notre Dame ends up with a top five recruiting class or if they kind of fall back to where they normally have been. And I, the coaching staff knows that. And so I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot more um, of a creative recruiting visit session for Notre Dame when kids are on campus. Sean, let me jump in. You can have the next two after this. But sure. why is this so crucial to get a top five class? Why is this next month, the month of June, so big? I, I heard you say that, so I just yep. want to follow up yep. on that. No, it's a great question. It's number one is because a lot of the uh, top players that you're after, so Dallin Hayden, Jake Taylor, Anthony Lucas, uh, Junior Tuialamaka, Devin Moore, uh, Nicholas Singleton, Billy Shrouth, Carson Hensman, uh, uh, Jalen Sneed, Xavier Nwankpa, C.J. Williams, Tobias Merriweather, all those kids are visiting in June. And and there's still kids being added to, to the, the visit list. This is going to be your first crack at a lot of these kids. And for some of these kids, it's going to be the first time they've been on campus in two years. You know, these kids were sophomores and they weren't really prime recruits. This is going to be your opportunity to either A, solidify your standing with kids you're leading for, or B, kids that, you know, that maybe are Jake Taylor, for example, from Nevada is a great example since we're talking about offensive linemen. He's down to Oklahoma, Alabama, and Notre Dame. 
Well, Oklahoma's being, you know, he's in Nevada. Oklahoma's a little bit of a closer school. There's some connections there. Oklahoma's a school that kind of stands out for him with most people. He's also a kid that I believe is going to be a, it would be a great fit at Notre Dame. He's the kind of kid that usually is very attracted to a visit like Notre Dame. But right now, it's all been about the Zooms and all that type of stuff. Now you get him on campus, that's where Notre Dame in the past has thrived, is their campus is so unique to everyone else. They have done such a good job in recent months at getting themselves within striking distance to either be number one or two with these kids that the visits could be the thing that puts them over the edge for a lot of these kids. And that's where you want to be. You want to be in that pole position situation coming out of the visits because that's how you close. You don't always want to have to be playing, playing catch-up. So getting Anthony Lucas, getting Jake Taylor, getting Tui Alamaka and Snead and all these guys on campus, and a lot of these kids who have never been on campus, that's how you close. You know, that's that's that, you know, coffee's for closers time, right? That's when Notre Dame's going to be able to determine whether these kids are going to be with us or the kids are going to get here and they're going to say, no, I'm not feeling it. I had a great relationship with Coach so-and-so, but this campus is just not the thing for me. And then you have to figure out, okay, what's next? And that's why I believe this June period, more than any other summer visit period, is going to be so vital for Notre Dame. You know, in, in the past, they've had players like Blake Fisher last year, who, you know, a, a recruit who was working to recruit other other guys. Do they have anyone like that who, who's out there right now? Yeah, they have a few guys that are that way. Uh, Steve Angeli, the quarterback commit from, commit from New Jersey, is the most vocal about it. You know, he's the guy that talks to reporters about the kids he's going after and talking to. But behind the scenes, there's a couple other kids that, that have been very active. Nolan Ziegler, the commit, uh, who's one of the early commits for Notre Dame from Michigan, he's been a very active recruiter, but he kind of does it behind the scenes. You know, he organized like the, the commit chat. You know, he's a guy that kind of builds relationships with uncommitted players and the committed players. You know, when they talk together about, you know, who they want to be in the class with them and then, you know, being involved in that and, and reaching out to a lot of kids. So he's certainly someone that, that I've, you know, talked to different people about that says, you know, he's very engaged. He's been, you know, he'll come down on campus. You're, you're going to expect to see him on campus a lot this summer for some of these visits. You're going to see him as a frequent member at home games this upcoming fall because he wants to be on campus to make sure that those guys, those uncommitted players, know that, hey, this is the place. This is the place to be. So those two guys so far uh, have been the most active. Tyson Ford starting to become more engaged in, in reaching out to prospects, which is big because he's arguably your highest-ranked prospect there. Uh, so those are the guys right now that, that from from my conversations, are the most engaged when it comes to seeking out other recruits and sort of being the leaders of this class. I also wanted it. This kind of goes a little bit different direction, but Michigan just lost their defensive coordinator, Mo Linguist, go, going to be the, the head coach at Buffalo. And I, I think you at least, you know, kind of follow what's going on with them to some degree, recruiting wise. Just a, do you have a feel for how Michigan is doing in recruiting right now, and the kind of impact that that losing Linguist could have? Is that a big impact? Well, I think the guy they replaced him with and the fact they replaced him so quickly is going to help with that. You know, I mean, I think losing Linquist was was a was a, a, it hurt. And he's a guy that came with a very strong reputation, but they went down and got Steve Klinkscale from Kentucky, who's got a reputation as a very strong recruiter, a guy that will have been involved with a lot of these recruits. 
So I think that was a that was a smart move by Michigan to number one who they hired, but then number two to do it so quickly. When, and essentially, it all happened so quick where Linquist left and Klingscale was hired that you almost, as a, an opposing coach, don't have time to negatively recruit the situation because it did happen so quick. And that was very smart by Jim Harbaugh to make it happen so quickly. So now you've got an opportunity to you know, keep Will Johnson in the class and keep Cody Jones in the class or the two uh, really talented defensive backs that they already have committed in the class. That's going to help you in that situation to say, hey, look, don't worry, we're fine, we're prepared for this. This was a promotion for a guy that we hired. I mean, other people want our coaches, that kind of spin that you could have. And he, there just wasn't an opening long enough to allow other teams to kind of get in there and build that relationship. There was no void, essentially. There's no vacuum to kind of to kind of fill for other teams. So I think from a Michigan standpoint, it was very smart and very savvy to get that done so quickly with a quality coach who's known as also a good recruiter. Brian, do you have time for a bonus question? Always for time for you guys. Okay. Well, this is <laughs> off topic, but this is one of the hot, hot topics in sports right now. So, like myself, you're a Denver Bronco fan. So, what is your opinion if Denver had the chance to acquire Aaron Rodgers? How all in would you be as an organization to get him? And I guess part of your answer might be based on your belief and who Drew Locke can be. Well, you, I think you know that I'm a lot higher on Drew Locke than, than you are. a lot of other people. And and when I look at Drew Locke, I see a guy that go, go winning into his second year in the pros, only played five games the year before, four, right? Started four, four or five games. Goes in the offseason with a new quarterback's coach, a new offensive coordinator, a bunch of new teammates because they were such a young team, and there's no offseason for them to have because of COVID. And then you're shocked that you know that Denver wasn't a great team this past year, and and then you had injuries, and there's a lot of issues. And Drew didn't play well, but you know I, I think he's going to be a talented player. For me, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, it just depends on how much you have to give up. Uh, I don't know if if Denver's and Aaron Rodgers away from being a Super Bowl team. I don't know what kind of salary cap impact it could have. I've read that D- Notre Dame or Notre Dame, Denver's got a great salary cap situation. They've got one of the biggest mm-hmm. spaces, so they can make that work. But it's kind of like. You know, with Peyton Manning, you kind of mortgaged your future for the present, and they've got you a ring, but then you kind of wallowed in in sort of nothing for five, six years because you 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 weren't in a position to build. So, you know, if in the next, if Aaron Rodgers plays for four or five more years, and if he's anything like Tom Brady, he's going to be playing for a while longer. Well, when Dalton Risner and these receivers and all these players are coming up for contracts, and you're paying him forty five to you know however many many million dollars. Are, are you going to be just like the Packers, where you're always good enough to be in the playoffs but never quite good enough to win at all, which means you're always picking in the 20s, so you never have that chance to get those those franchise players? So I'm a little torn on it, and, and I think he's a great talent, you know, but he's not a guy to me that, that in a long time has shown that he can you know, get that team to the next level, and maybe that's he hasn't had a good enough team around him or whatever, but I don't know if I'm willing to give up two first-round draft picks and a premium play. Actually, it'd be two first-rounders, a second-rounder is the latest I heard, plus a premium player, so Cortland Sutton or Von Miller, somebody like that. And I don't know if that necessarily makes you a, a better team in the present or future. And, and, and I'm just, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a great talent, but I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan, and I'd really like to see the young guy uh, continue. Because also, if you have a quarterback that's inexpensive like Drew Locke and you have cap room, that means you can go out and pay big money for a tackle or a or a big receiver or a linebacker or whatever the case may be, whereas when you get Aaron Rodgers, the chances of you going out and getting another big-name veteran are done because you're not going to be able to afford it. Hmm. 
Okay. Well, you're. I know I'm in the minority there. I'm just. Yeah, I'm in the minority there. I get it. I just. I'm. I'm just not. I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers guy, and I don't know if that would be the thing that sets them over the edge to all of a sudden they're a Super Bowl team because, I mean, the Chiefs still have a better roster in my opinion, and I don't know if I would take Aaron Rodgers over Pat Mahomes. That's kind of the way I look at it. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. if I'm 25 years old, I agree with you, but I'm an old guy now, so I'm in win <laughs> mode now. Yeah, so. The future doesn't matter when you're our age, I guess, is how yeah. you should look at well. it. <laughs> All I ever wanted was one. I've got three. I'm not going to yeah. be greedy now, but yeah. nah, you, you still want to win. That's well, once sure. you get the taste of it, you know, it's like you just you want to do it again, you know? Yeah, it's I get it. fun. Normally it takes the Colts giving us a quarterback to win a Super Bowl, so maybe we'll try a different team. There you go. That's a good point, yeah. Baltimore and India both hooked Denver up. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Ursay. I love you, man. All Mm -hmm. right. Rest in peace. (laughs) Okay, so, Brian, what's happening at irishbreakdown.com? Well, tonight we're going to actually have a recruiting chat on our YouTube channel, at Irish Breakdown YouTube channel, where we're actually going to do a live podcast, and we're going to go over the 2023 quarterbacks that are the top quarterbacks on the board. We're going to watch some film. We're going to talk about where things stand, go over some guys that I think Notre Dame should look at. Uh, And so we're going to do that. And then, of course, I'll have my outside receiver big board coming up here very soon. And uh, tomorrow we have our Friday free-for-all podcast. So we're going to be very busy with the podcasting the next couple days, a little bit more so than with the written content at irishbreakdown.com. All right, very good. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irishbreakdown.com, joining us to talk recruiting. Brian, thank you so much. Always enjoy the visit and enjoy your weekend. Thanks for having me on, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.